0: Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm a host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a solopreneur who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pain, pressure, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is about how to make your leads so hot that you're just taking orders with Kay Putnam. Kay is a psychology-driven brand strategist for entrepreneurs. Through work with hundreds of clients from global brands to solo business owners, she developed the Clarity Code. She believes in pursuing audacious dreams and that there is genius that lives inside every entrepreneur. When you have a clear brand, your clients love, respect, and are willing to pay premium prices for your work. It gives you the clarity and confidence to scale your impact and income. Let's go. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word.
1: Alicia, I'm so excited to be here. I cannot wait to see where this conversation brings us. I know that we can geek out about sales and psychology and how a brand plays a role in this whole process. So let's do this.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. And you guys who don't like sales, Kay created this strategy because she didn't like sales and she didn't want to have traditional sales conversations anymore. So Kay, when did you get started with your own business?
1: Oh gosh. Um my first business was actually before I even graduated from high school. So I cut my teeth pretty early in the entrepreneurship game. I started a photography studio back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was amazing. Great learning experience. Learned more there than I did in my marketing degree. Um, sure. Took a quick hiatus into some traditional sales roles. Uh, I We can chat about that background a little bit if you want. Uh, and then from that experience, I realized that I wanted to do things differently once I moved into my own online business. Not only am I allergic to feeling like I have to pressure people? I know that I am speaking to the choir here on this show, but I figured there was a more scalable way. And I'm a mom of two. It's really important to me that I have a scalable, repeatable system in my business. Yeah. So what I've created is what we'll talk about today that basically generates leads on autopilot all of the time, gets them ready to buy before I even talk to them. Yeah. And you basically just take
0: an order at that point. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) So it sounds like this could, I initially had thought that this maybe mostly happened in the email sequence or something before they booked a call, but it sounds like it's happening from the moment they see your brand.
1: Exactly. And the coolest thing about online business is we have this multi-channel or multi-opportunity or all of these opportunities where we can reach out and touch people. We're on all of these different platforms, and then we can really build a relationship over time with people that come into contact with our brand. However, you do need to have your brand set and clear enough that it doesn't feel like somebody's going on 50 first states with your business. You want it to be this continuous narrative that you're telling over time. And we do do that on email. It's a fantastic tool for this. Uh, But we also do it through our ads, through our website, through our sales pages, and so on. All of these different pieces play a role. So you're pretty much saying
0: cohesive, right?
1: Yes, yes, cohesive. And this was, it sounds so unsexy, right? It's like, okay, I just need to have something decided. And that, yes, that is a piece of it. But it also needs to be an alignment for this to work well. It needs to be an alignment with who you are on the inside. So we, we need to have our outside expression of our brand be a direct reflection of the experience that people are going to have with us once they're on the phone with us or once they're in our programs or experiencing our products. Because if we don't, then it again, we, we feel like we're starting over at that point because people don't have that congruency throughout this whole whole story or this whole, um, just body of work or experience that they're building with us as a brand. Yeah, that makes
0: so much sense
1: because I
0: have worked with clients numerous times who are, you know, people who are not aggressive, who just want to help people, um, care a lot about their clients results and they're using a sales strategy that's aggressive. So they, the, the, <laughs> user the prospect is having a totally different experience of their personality online and they're really put off by the experience in a sales conversation um and it's usually because people just say like this is the way to do sales you have to be pushy and aggressive which obviously is not true um so i do see that a lot and i thought initially you were talking about because a lot of times people don't have the same message across their website and socials like it's a different version that happens more often than not, right, Kay?
1: It does. And there's a reason why it does happen because rightfully so, people are honing in on the fact that people are at different um, parts of the buyer's journey as they encounter different parts of our brand. So there is some shift that happens, but if there's not that like red thread that's going through everything, then people get disjointed, confused, surprised in the not so good way. And I like to say that confusion kills sales. So as soon as we step away from our core truth and try to be something that we're not, we're like modeling what's successful, um, tried that, got the t-shirt failed miserably. (laughs) And I, I forget where I was going with this, but we need to, we need to first identify who we are, how we want to serve, what our core beliefs are as a brand and then decide how we're going to express that in all of the different places where we show up. That's where the magic happens.
0: Yeah. So you're saying like, for example, if my focus is solopreneurs, I need to be talking about that on all the channels, or I might get somebody who's like at corporate and confused why yes. I don't work yes. with them.
1: And it goes even deeper than that. This is going to get super mad about, let me, let me share an exercise that I love to do with my clients. Cause I think it'll help make this more mm-hmm. clear. Um, I like to do what I call a 10 truths exercise. And 10 is actually the absolute minimum that we want to do. We want to have a whole piece of paper that we sit down and we write out the sentence that starts with, I believe. And finish that as many times as possible. What do you believe to be true about success? What do you believe to be true about your clients, about the results that are possible for them, about your industry, and so on and so forth. You don't have to necessarily use all of these in your messaging, but we want to identify the magnetic truths that are going to help people self-identify within your brand. I know that sounds meta, but if you think about it, we choose our friends in the same way. So. When we hear a friend that has like really strong convictions, values that we resonate with, we're like, oh, I like this person. I'm going to stick around and see what, what, um, what can happen here? Like what what kind of relationship can develop. But if that same friend then completely switched her story and was conveying completely different values and different, uh, personality traits, we'd be like, okay, this person, there's something off about this person. It's just, it's not congruent. It's not lining up something's weird. I'm just going to go and you know protect myself. So we build trust over time by getting really clear on what those core messages are going to be. And then we weave them through this system that we'll talk a little bit more about specifically, but that is a great exercise to start with.
0: Okay. And you're kind of like looking for the patterns in the answers to the 10 things. So what keeps coming up? And then that's one of the things. And yes. I know we I know what you're saying about like how we judge friends. So let's say that somebody's like, I am super ambitious and I'm going to create the life I want. And we're like, oh, cool. That aligns with me. This, this girl, I want to be friends with her. Like we're going to do things together, but then she's not ever doing anything complaining about how she doesn't want to do anything. And we're like, okay, so I guess she, she's not self-aware enough to realize she's actually not ambitious in creating life. wants, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have a quick story. I don't know if it's super exciting, but we used to live in Naples, Italy. And I overheard this conversation on the playground that these two other mothers were having. And their conversation went something like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we live on the American military base here in Italy because living here is so hard, so challenging. I never want to leave the base. I just want to stay here in this like little safe little pocket. And then myself, on the other hand, we had asked specifically to like live off base just with the Italians and get fully immersed into the experience. And just overhearing that quick conversation, I was like, Oh, okay. Those aren't my people. They they're lovely. They're very nice. They look fantastic, but they're just not my people. So we need to have, like, we need to go first in a lot of ways. I think I'm diverting a little bit from your original question. So I apologize. My ADHD brain is going crazy here. Um, but by sharing content and by sharing brand experiences that continually let people kind of like overhear our values, people can have that same experience or like, Oh, that that's not my person. I'm not going to get the results that I want with them, or that is my person. And if ever we divert from that, we create that experience that you talked about where people are like, eh, it's just, it's not, it's not adding up. Like our, our brains are very, very adaptive, at uh, uh, identifying patterns. And when things don't, feel congruent. They don't feel trustworthy anymore. Yeah. It's sketchy. Yeah. You're like, I I can't can't trust trust our person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I heard something recently that was like, you want people to be so disgusted by the things you're saying that they run away. And those are not your people. Like you want to say the most controversial thing in your mind. Do you agree with
1: that? (laughs) I think that that works. I I think that the, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said something to the effect of the people that have the strongest point of view are the ones that are natural leaders because most people just aren't willing to say, or they're not willing to put themselves out on a limb. And I think that that is true to the point that we're talking about things that matter to ourselves on a deep level. Like we're not just saying Things to be rude or, or that oh, yeah. don't like really to make matter. controversy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, another way that we can identify some of these beliefs or statements, if you if it's hard to generate them yourself, uh, is to use a tool called brand archetypes. So brand archetypes point us to these patterns that show up in brands again and again and actually show up across cultures, different applications like uh literature and movies and the aisles of your grocery store when you're looking at other brands. And each of these 12 different archetypes stand for a different set of values. So for example, the Explorer really values freedom and individuality and departing from the norm and doing things their own way versus the Maverick. The Maverick is the one who is willing to burn everything to the ground so that they can rebuild something that's better. So when we're talking about like those super controversial statements, I often think of the Maverick brand. So if you aren't a Maverick brand, maybe we want to like communicate some of those things with more tact or Mm. just think about what we're communicating to make sure that it is truly something that's core to our brand. And we're not just trying to stir the pot for, for that sake. That is a very
0: important distinction. Um, So you have these patterns in your brand and you as a human essentially uh, that you stand for and
1: how do you implement
0: them?
1: Yes. Okay. So this was the one of the biggest breakthroughs. First biggest breakthrough was discovering brand archetypes because I could finally answer the question, who am I really and how do I express that? So archetypes are amazing starting place. But once you know kind of what you stand for, you know what some of these key messages are going to be, and you want to do what we talked about in the intro, like warm people up to the point where it feels like you're just taking orders once you get on the phone with them. I've identified that there's really only three systems that our brand needs to do. And if you're not doing the first two systems before you get to the selling part, the selling Mm. part feels really hard. So it's important Mm. to know what those first two are. So I call this my brand gravity system. I like to think about brands almost as like having a gravitational pull Mm. and, People will come into your orbit. They'll stick around. If your gravitational pull isn't strong enough or if they don't resonate enough, then they'll just leave and that's fine, like you said. Um, but the more clear we get on our branch, the better we are at getting people to stick around. And the way that we build this and we increase our gravitational pull is through this th- these three systems. First one is attract. Second one is Nurture. And then the third one is either serve or sell, depending on which version of that language appeals to you more. So attract is getting the attention of brand new people who've never heard of you. So we can do this through ads. We can do this through showing up on other people's audiences in front of other people's audiences like I'm doing right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. We can do this by um, networking. There's a whole bunch of different strategies, but really only need to choose one that we're most excited about. Uh, that puts us in front of new audiences. And then we can use some of those key messages, those key belief statements paired with the outcome, the transformation that we can provide Mm -hmm. to people. And that'll attract our people to our world, but they're not ready to buy yet. They're just kind of like mildly interested, even if they do raise their hand and they're like, hey, yeah, tell me more. Um, Yes, go ahead. An example first, Kay, of what you're saying. Yes. Okay. So my favorite attract system is to run ads to a lead magnet. And yeah. anybody that's in online business, they're like, oh, yawn. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. But I've identified a lead magnet that works exceptionally well for my brand. And once you find something that really jives with your personality, your um your way, or it's just like the market is responding, you can actually take and run with that for years. I've had my Brand archetype quiz, which is the lead generation and lead generator tool that I talked about for years and years, and it continues to be my top performer. But simply running those ads to brand new cold audiences every single day of the year and seeing who resonates with this idea that business should be more human and that we should all do it in our own way is how I invite people into my world. So that's my chosen strategy, but it's not going to be everybody's. Does that make sense? Yes. But you said you connect it to the end result. So it's like be your uh, own
0: individual and you'll be more successful
1: is like, exactly. Yes, Yes, exactly. So we're baking both of those messages into that first like attention grabbing message that you're going to put out in front of cold audiences again and again and again. Okay. So it's like have a custom sales strategy
0: and win more sales. Yes. So combining the two. Okay. Yes, yes. Then exactly. when they're like, Ooh, I'm interested in this idea and I would like it. Mm-hmm. Then.
1: then we move into phase two, which is nurture and nurture for me often does happen on my email list. I know lots of other people have their nurturing strategy happening on social media through a podcast. Like there's different ways that we can do this. But the beautiful part about the nurture sequence or the nurture strategy is that we actually start to, and forgive the language, indoctrinate people into our brand, into mm-hmm. the way that we help people. And we do this in advance for a couple reasons. First of all, selling things online is a relatively low trust environment. People can say anything. So it does mm-hmm. typically take some time, multiple touch points. We've all heard the stats about how many touch points, I think it's seven or 13, whatever it is, we need to have some time to build that know, like, and trust factor. Um, it also gives us the opportunity to tell our story. So once we know what our brand stands for, then we need some time to be able to communicate that. So we can do that like over a drip email sequence, those kinds of things. And then the, another layer that needs to happen during this nurture sequence is we need to start to convey our expertise and our credibility. And we can do that by sharing our own self as a case study. We can share our clients as a case study, testimonials that we've received, et cetera. Um, And all of that happens over time. And this changes for me. So forgive the, forgive the nuance, but I don't love to invite people onto a sales call with me until they've been in my world for at least two or three weeks. So I don't ask people to get onto that next step until they've spent some time going through this nurturing process. So they can have that self-awareness of, yes, Kay is the brand strategist for me. I want to work with her. I would love for her to mentor me versus me getting on a sales call and they're like, okay, sell me. Like, what exactly do you do? Uh, Why does it cost so much? (laughs)
0: You're talking about education too. If you have to educate yeah. and sell on a call, it's not happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So- <laughs> I was just, I was going to acknowledge like, this isn't rocket science, especially for people that have been in online business or have been in online marketing. The key awareness for me was, and for a lot of my clients, is that we tend to prefer. Sorry, Alicia, let me back up one more time. Let me close a loop and then come back to that thought. Um, So we have attract is the first phase. Nurture, we just talked about, is the second phase. The third phase is what we more traditionally think about as sales. I called it either serve or sell. And that's where the sales conversation actually happens. I prefer to have a lot of that sales conversation happen on things like webinars or free challenges. So I can do it at scale, Mm. um, which also increases conversions. Once I get somebody actually to the point of a phone call. Um, but that is the final step. We have to actually ask for the sale at some point. So that is the entire brand gravity Mm -hmm. system backing up. One of the biggest realizations that I had, as I was teaching this to my clients, and I was realizing this about my own business is that people do one of two things. First of all, many people, prefer one of the three systems over the other two, and they completely ignore the other two. And then they wonder why it's not working. (laughs) So for example, people will spend all of their time creating organic content to nurture an audience that doesn't exist yet. Um, they never ask for the sale and they don't put a lot of intention into growing their audience either. They're just hoping that this organic content is going to magically do all of the things that people say it, it can do. Um, so missing out on one of those phases will will cause the whole system not to work as well as I could. So yeah. that's one, one misstep that I see both with myself and other people. I noticed that I really loved actually the attract phase. Like I actually love running ads. I love optimizing them. I love doing all of that piece, but until I set up that really strong nurture sequence, I was wondering why I was getting like tire kickers or people who were price mm. shopping on my sales calls. Mm-hmm. So I, I needed that middle piece. Um the second big mistake that I see is that people overcomplicate this. They have seven different subsystems under each each of these three phases. So like attract, they're running ads, they're doing um summits, they're doing podcast interviews, they're doing in-person networking, et cetera, et cetera. And then nurturing, they're on like every single platform, TikTok and podcasts and social media and email lists yeah. and all the things. And then they don't have a strong sales mechanism either. Like they haven't established either a like a sales webinar that works, a sales page that works, or they haven't spent time actually talking to people on the phone. So they're just throwing a whole bunch of spaghetti at the wall instead of focusing on finding one in each of those three that works for them. That
0: is a really good insight that a lot of people struggle with. And I think a lot of times... People don't know how long they're supposed to try the one and see if it works for them. And like, when is it like shiny object syndrome? Or I've given this a fair shot and it's not the one for me.
1: Yes, yes. And unfortunately, I don't know of like a hard and fast rule. I'd love to know how you advise your clients on this, Alicia. But to me, it's you try it, like you plan it, you execute it, you do it at least through, I don't know. I'm imagining like a, um, a challenge, for example, like you're going to run a free challenge. You do the whole thing and then recap the results and see what the conversion rate looks like. But the key to that is you need data, right? So like, we're all learning as we go, we're getting better as we go. And I don't know. I think I make a lot of decisions like this more intuitively than a lot of people. I'm asking myself, like, of all of the strategies that I could use for attract, which one brings me the most joy? Which one just sounds like the most fun brings me the most energy? I'm going to focus on getting really good at that even if I don't see results right away. So that's how I do it. How do you think about it, Alicia? I love that.
0: Um, I think that looking into yourself about what you would enjoy doing is crucial to the success of it. If you're doing something that you feel like you should do that you hate, I see this a lot with live launches. They're like, this is the most horrible thing I've ever done, but I'm doing it because people say it works. That is a bad sign. I would agree. Um, And then I would say do it. You would need to do it for at least 60 days. If it's something that's more constant, like organic, uh, if it's something like a challenge, I would say at least three times. If by the third time and you refine something each time the webinar too, I would say that's just not your thing. Uh, yes. but the cardinal rule would be like, are you enjoying yourself? or are you hating it every moment?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause we all have genius. Like you said, my intro, like we all have gifts for communicating in a specific way. So find the one that's most in alignment with whatever you like to do most when you were seven years old. I freaking loved like art and design. And there's something magical to me about designing even just like ad graphics or webinar slides. It's totally nerdy. I know that it is, but there's pieces of it that my seven-year-old self just like giggles that I get to do this as a job. So those are good indicators that it's a good strategy for me to continue to optimize man, you were
0: like, that's the exact opposite of me. <laughs> like we would be great compliments for each other. I am horrible at messing around in Canva. I get irritated very quickly. Um, so there was one other thing that I wanted to clarify. I think it was a really important note that you wait two to three weeks of them being in your nurture sequence. in Because people are often asking way too soon for a sales call and not getting it. So in that nurture sequence, are you emailing them every day for two to three weeks? Like, what is that?
1: Yeah, I do. I've increased my comfort level with emailing more often because I find that especially when somebody comes into my world for the first time, they're at the highest interest level that they'll probably mm-hmm. ever be. So especially especially for that first week I'm emailing every day. Um, I think I switch over to like every two days or every three days for the subsequent two to three weeks. Um, and I do have asks before we get to like a sales call ask. So I'll ask somebody to, uh, view a sales page or to sign up for a webinar, maybe like at the end of week one or week two. Um, and those are good warm ups to the sales call as well. But at the end of that longer form content, so when somebody goes through a webinar, most of my webinars will invite people to a sales call after that. So probably the soonest that somebody could do if they jump through all of the, the hoops that I've set up essentially, um, the fastest they would get on a sales call would be about a weekend.
0: Hmm. That is very fast.
1: I That's also such an
0: important note to set it up so they can't book a sales call unless you know they've consumed the thing that prepares them for the call. So it's not just consuming emails. It's you watched this webinar.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's an important distinction. I'm glad that you called that out because we need to set up that sales conversation so that they're ready to have it. If you have ever created a webinar before, you know how much time it takes to communicate an offer. And I might just be bad at sales, which is fine. Um, But I've never been successful at communicating that whole offer to somebody who is unacquainted on the sales call itself. I think that people do that, but to me, that sounds like torture. So I'd love for people to know what the value proposition is, why it's amazing, see some proof points see the value stack, all of those things before I get on a sales call. That's my personal preference.
0: Yeah. So I help others with this a lot of the time because the context that somebody has is bringing to a sales conversation directly impacts whether that person is going to move forward. So the more that you can influence or control that context, it's, it's going to directly affect your success. So um, a big one beforehand would be explaining why you're different compared to other people in the market. That is a piece of information I found consistently makes the sales call much easier because if they understand what you're saying about the problem with the other solutions and how you approach it differently and like your approach better, that's already a lot less education that you have to do in the sales conversation and they've already said okay i like what you're doing cool yes um, yes yeah and then some and kind know. of price do you price it yeah price yeah.
1: Pre- yes absolutely price anchoring for sure if not giving them the actual price before they get on the sales call whether that's on the webinar or the sales page. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, another thing that I find crucial, and I know that you'll agree with us because we had a conversation about sales on my podcast recently is telling people who the offer is for, or like what the, what some of the different avatars look like for a particular offer. I find that people self-select based on that. And I end up with really great quality conversations when people know that in advance.
0: Yeah. So that, is something I also suggest because it directly aligns with the whole matchmaking. Are we a fit? So usually beforehand, it's like, this is who is a fit. And this is who is not a fit. If you are looking for done for you, this is not a fit.
1: (laughs) If you need results
0: in 60 days, this is not a fit. It's going to take six months, you know? Um, So those things ahead of time, being so upfront about it really, really helps you get somebody on the phone who's like, well, I don't understand, you know, just do it for me, which is one of the biggest things that people deal with getting pushed back on. Um, so, yes. and there are solutions around that, but it generally just tell them, don't even come to the call. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. In my world, the, the thing like that is why won't you just design my logo? Like, why do we have to talk about brand strategy or, or tra- what my truth is or what my beliefs are, if I didn't do a good job of indoctrinating and nurturing that person and be like, just give me a logo design. I'd be Like, no, I don't do that. So that would be yeah. a very short conversation if we didn't build up that entire context beforehand. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's awesome, Kay. I think this is a great stopping point for us. Um basically to recap finding the patterns in you and your brand that really represent who you are. So there's a congruent experience and defining that even further in a nurturing uh, sequence about education between you and the competition, who's a fit and who's not a fit, having a longer content piece, building up to this point with stories and proof and that kind of thing, and not asking for a sales call until you know they've consumed a specific amount or type of content. So I love that so much. Thanks again, Kay, for making an appearance today as our guest. And can you tell everyone how they can find out
1: more about you and how they can work with you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I would love to answer any questions that people have. You can find me all over the interwebs. I'm a good online marketer. So I'm at kputnam.com. If you're curious what your brand archetype is, uh, you can take the quiz right on my site. It's been taken over 200,000 times by entrepreneurs, which still blows my mind. Wow! And yeah. (laughs) Massive. Anyway. um, So start with the quiz. That's a fantastic place. I also have a YouTube channel, uh, my own podcast called the brand gravity show, all fantastic places where you can learn more about what we talked about here on today's episode.
0: All right, you guys definitely take that brand archetype quiz. It sounds like it gives you a lot of structure for how to construct your message moving forward, which is something that so many people deal with. Like, am I doing this correctly? Am I including elements that don't make sense? Um, So this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pain, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. So go grab my proven follow-up templates that get response, even if you're being ghosted. Uh, And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.